standing. If you could, please stand for the reading of the word. We're going to jump right into the book of Revelation, chapter number one. We're going to start reading at verse number seven. So Revelation, chapter number one. The message that I'm going to preach today by the help of the Lord, I will not preach again. Um, meaning this is a topic that uh, I don't really talk about much or often uh, because it's not my way or style of preaching. Uh, so uh, let's get this and get this good. Um, and so my prayer is that you would just take heed to what the Lord has laid on my heart and, and that we, we will be a church that sets the example. I'm going to say that again. We will be the church that sets the example. Amen. I believe we have the right people here. I believe we have the right people with the right heart. And I pray for that our mindset may be right, that we will be the church in all of Tippecanoe County that sets the example, that we will be the church in all of the state of Indiana that sets the example. Amen. We don't have to look to another and say, we'll follow that. We have to look down the street and say, we'll follow that. But I believe we can just look to Jesus. And Jesus will give us the right thing and the right words to say. And we can set the tone and be what this world and this city is needing. Because I believe right here at Christ's Memorial Temple, we can set the example. Amen. So Revelations chapter 1, we will read verses 7 through 18. There's quite a few verses, so I'm going to read through them fairly quickly. Please follow along because I don't want to weary you long. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in the book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and to Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, in the midst of, somebody say, the church, Jesus should be right there in the midst of the church. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, because the seven candlesticks represented the churches that we just mentioned, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass as if they were burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. Somebody say, what a mighty God we serve. And he, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. 
and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And when he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And then Jesus, amen himself. Some ought to say amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. I want to preach for a moment on a simple subject, and that is the church response. The church response. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done thus far in this service. I pray, God, that you may be with us, O God. Help me, O Lord, to speak your word. And this is your church. These are your people. We are your sheep. I am your vessel. Help me, Lord, to speak every word that is intended. And help me, Lord, that my flesh will not get in the way. In Jesus' name that we pray. If you're ready to receive the word, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. With election day less than a week away, I believe, just a few days away, anxiety, distrust, and suspicion are running high. Activists and extremists on both the right and the left are worried the other side will somehow steal the election. And they're making plans for what to do if they believe that's happening. Headlines are plastered all over social media, all over magazine articles, and some news outlets that read, will the radical left take over the United States? What if Joe Biden wins? Will rioters come to my neighborhood? Let us not forget, we still have the heavy concern of COVID-19. Will COVID-19 impact the health of my family? If you have a shortage of fear in your life, just turn on the news or open up a social media app. There is plenty to go around. Experts in global conflict warn that this election year is toxic and that conditions are ripe for conflict and maybe even violence in the United States. There's a good chance that no clear winner will emerge on election night, and experts are concerned about what will happen after that, especially if protesters and counter-protesters collide in the streets. Several human rights and conflict resolution groups that typically monitor elections across the world, mostly in developing democracies or places where violence could erupt, are now turning their attention to the United States for the first time. A man by the name of Tim Phillips, the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Beyond Conflict, has worked in deeply divided societies in South Africa and Northern Ireland. He never imagined U.S. democracy would face similar challenges. We thought we were immune to it, he says. 
He goes on to say, when we looked at our own problems, we thought, of course we have some big issues. But, we, but we're in a sense immune from an us versus them mindset. Well, we all see now that we are not immune at all. Experts are rising and raising signs of potential violence around the election in the United States. They point to growing polarization along racial and identity lines and extremist groups threatening the use of force. Another warning sign that we've seen in other countries that is raging major concern is political rivals seeking to gain total power and cutting out the other side. Police departments and the National Guard say they're preparing for tensions and the possibility of violence in the days or weeks ahead. Global conflict experts say it's not inevitable that the election or its aftermath will dissolve in total chaos. But they say it's crucial for political leaders on all sides to de-escalate tensions and cause theirs in case, excuse me, there's a long contested election. We see now that every sporting event has some type of stance on equality and police reform and the importance to vote. They say, now this number could be a little off now, but they say more than 55 million people have voted already. Those numbers are record numbers. There are people now across Boston and parts of California burning early voting ballot boxes. What we see in our world should sicken us. What we see in our world and in our day, even in our neighboring states, including the state of Indiana, should sicken us. But it should not sicken you and I to build thicker walls between you and those that do not think like you and I do. It should not sicken you and I to have hatred towards another race or hatred towards another political party. It should not sicken you and I to want revenge and to rebel or even riot based on the election outcome. It should sicken a child of God to their knees. It should sicken a child of God to a place of worship. It should sicken a child of God to a place where there is a turning to the only one that is able to deliver. And I've come to tell you that one is Jesus Christ. I have come to remind the church that Jesus is still in control. I've come to remind the church that Jesus is still the way, that he is still the answer. I've come to remind someone here today that Jesus is still the way, he's still the answer. I've come to remind the church and let the church know I have come to let you know in times like this, in times that will not get better, 
But the world, the worst of the world, as the world begins and becomes even worse, I truly believe the stronger the church of the living God will become. No matter who wins the election, I'm still going to love people. No matter who wins the election, I'm still going to believe that Jesus can still save lives. No matter who wins the election, I'm still going to believe that Jesus will protect my family. No matter who wins the election, I'm still going to believe that Jesus will protect this church. If Trump wins and you voted for him, we keep our Trump shirts and hats and all clothing at home. If Biden wins and you voted for him, you keep all your Biden shirts and hats and all that clothing at home. They should not be here in the house of the Lord. Because when I come to God's house, I come to worship him and him only. I should not have to worry about if my brother or my sister voted for this party or supported that party. But you have to worry about that in your own home. You make the best decision for you and your family. Nobody should feel condemned no matter who you vote for or what you think the right thing is to do. You ought to go to God and ask him for wisdom for you to choose the right person. I want to make this very clear. We should not come into the house of the Lord and then we have a guest walk in here that sees a supporter of this this group or the next group and all of a sudden they have a wall that they've put up and they no longer are interested in coming into the house of the Lord and we just cut somebody off from introducing them to Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters in this house than introducing people to Jesus. There's nothing else that matters, and I will not hinder somebody that's trying to find a better way of life. Because Trump cannot fix my life, only Jesus can. Biden can't fix my life, only Jesus can. Church, I want to let you know that we are going to trust in the Lord no matter the outcome. And I'm still going to preach Jesus is coming. I'm still going to preach you must repent. I'm still going to preach that Jesus is coming soon. The world will be divided. This church will be united. The world will be ready to rage war on each other. This church will be ready to rage war on the devil. This city will be searching for a place of rest. This city will be searching for a place of peace, of solidarity. This city will be searching for a place of structure and of comfort. This church will be ready to receive those that are searching. We'll be ready. Somebody say example. Because we'll set the example. People that are searching for more than what they have. Because when the chaos comes, there's going to be people looking for a way out of the chaos. And this church will be ready. When the people are fighting, white and black, brown, yellow, whatever color in between you are, this church will be ready. They'll be able to walk into this church 
and see black, brown, yellow, and any other color you are. And see that a church that has different cultures and societies in it will be ready. And so when they walk in, they can see a people united. Even when our world is trying to, going, is trying to be divided. When people are going to blame one side or the other, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be ruckus. Oh, there will be noise. Oh, you better get ready for that. It's, the, the, one side is not going to just bow down very easily. Oh, no. It's going to happen. But the church must be ready. The people of God must set the example. Oh, I hope I can preach in here just for a moment. I want the world to see. This is important right now. This is Brother Brandon. Where Brother Brandon at? Brandon? But come on. Come here, young man. I need your help, and I want you to come over here, and I want you to grab Brother Dismore right here. Okay? Brother Dismore is right here. Amen. If you haven't met Brother Dismore, Brandon, this is Brother Dismore. All right? We need to be united. Praise God. Okay, I want you to help him up, though. Help him up, and we're going to walk up here to the front. Come on up here. Sister Jessica? Oh, yes, come on up here, young lady. I like doing this because you're embarrassed already. Come on. <laughs> All right, come on up here, young lady. All right. Brother Pruitt, you don't mind me using you. Come on. Brother Morrison, come on up here. Come on up here. Brother Barry Parchers, come on up here. Come on up here. Come on. Uh, Brother Gother, yes, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Come on. Come on up here. Stand right over here. That's it. Come on over here. Praise God. Brother Norris, uh-uh, help him out, Daniel. Come on, help him out. Bring him on up here. I'm with Brother Norris right up in front here, right in front of me. I'm right here, right in front of me. Right here. Come on, right up here. Turn around, turn around. Come on, I, I want to make sure that camera's on this. Come on, I want, I want, I want, I want the world to capture this right now. I, I want everyone watching to capture this. Come on. I want everyone to see. Everyone. Everyone watching, everyone in this sanctuary right now. I want the world to know this church will be united. This church has a representation. No matter the age, no matter the color, no matter the background, you see the representation of this church. This church will be ready. This church will be united. This church will not be divided. This church will stand for Jesus Christ. The world needs to see this. The world needs to see this because the world can't come together. I want everybody in the world to see that everyone that stands here, we don't agree on everything. Oh, I'm talking right into that camera right now. We don't agree on everything. There's certain views that we may disagree on, but that doesn't divide us. It doesn't separate us. I still love my brothers. I still love them. Look, different ages, different cultures, different backgrounds, but we have all things in common. All things in heavenly places in common. All things spiritual in common. That means we all stand for Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Let me say this before we're seated. This is important because the devil's a liar. The Bible says, let God be true, every man a lie. That's what the word says. Let God be true. Because man is going to be speaking division. Man is going to be speaking hatred. Man is going to be saying, oh, you see what they are doing? Pointing a blame and pointing a finger and having people of a certain skin color look at a different skin color as if, oh, well, maybe they do hate me. See, man's a lie. Let God be true. Now, I want to say something very clear. We're not ignorant of history in America. We're not ignorant of the past. We're not ignorant of the things that are taking place in the day. We're not ignorant of these things. We just don't allow those things to dominate us. We don't allow those things to control our mindset. We don't allow those things to pass judgment off on my brothers and my sisters. No, because the one thing that pulls us all together is Jesus. That's the one thing that pulls us all together. And because we have a love for him, I can have a love for my brothers and sisters. I can have a love despite we may have differences in different areas. But church, no matter what takes place over the next few days, we will be united. No matter what takes place over these next few coming weeks and how the world responds, this is how we're going to respond. We're going to respond in love. We're going to respond in unity. We're going to respond in togetherness. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and magnify the name of Jesus that brings us all together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. Come on, let's give them a hand. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Oh, let's clap our hands and magnify the Lord just for a moment. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Ah, hallelujah. Uh, there's a spirit of praise and worship in the house right now. I said there's a spirit of praise and worship in the house right now. I know I told you to be seated, but I wonder if somebody's Holy Ghost would just stir up from in them. Come on, let's magnify the Lord just for a moment. Deliverance, salvation, healing, it's all here in the house. Jesus, the most profound and most talked about individual to ever walk on earth. Even religions that denounce him and have no belief in him still must acknowledge his existence. We track time because of him. It's either B.C. or A.D. Yet this man was not once described in full detail of his stature, his image, or his body type in the Bible. There is very little description of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse number 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The gospel writers mention Jesus' clothing. He wore a traditional Jewish outer garment 
called a robe in English translations, which was stripped from him during his trial. This same robe was turned dazzling white at his transfiguration and was given by a game of chance called casting lots when Jesus was crucified. In addition, Jesus wore some type of traditional Jewish undergarment, as was made clear when he washed the feet of his disciples in the book of John, chapter number 13. John the Baptist also referred to the sandals of Jesus, indicating the type of shoes that he wore. That's in Luke chapter 3, verse number 16. Because the disciples in the New Testament did not highlight his physical characteristics, it is likely Jesus did not have any physical characteristics that stood out to his friends. He was likely average height and weight and lacked a bodybuilder physique. Some mention Isaiah 53, verse number 2. When it speaks of Jesus' appearance, the passage serves as a uh, prediction of the suffering servant in reference to Jesus. It states, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form, the Bible says, or comeliness, meaning majestic or splendor, that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. According to this verse, Jesus was not known for his physical looks, which confirms the New Testament accounts that mention nothing about the look of Jesus Christ. Sadly, if Jesus was to walk into a church, his earthly state, in his earthly state, meaning as he walked on earth, not his glorified state that we read in the book of Revelations, Many would grab their purse. Many would have no problem practicing a social distancing, ensuring there was at least six feet of distance between you and Jesus. And because of 9-11 and every movie that has had a role of someone from the Middle East depicting violence, we see people from the Middle East as dangerous. Jesus would walk into his own house and would not feel welcomed. It is for a reason why there is, I believe, it is for a reason why there is no description of Jesus. If you just take a look at what the Europeans did to Jesus, how they took Jesus and made him a European or a white man with long flowing hair, even though that's against God's very own word. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But pictures uh, that the Europeans took made him white, long flowing hair, blue eyes, a soft skin tone, which none of that is true. And it's amazing how many people even argue and get in debates over the color of Jesus Christ. Do you see how man can become so divisive? Do you see how the devil can take anything and use it as a device to where we try to put another's color above another, saying, look, if Jesus is that color, that means I'm above you. You see how man divides us? That's what man does. That's what the world does. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take anything and try to use it against us. And try to divide the people of God. But that is what, church, we are up against in this day. We are up against such a divisive spirit that anytime we see something that we do not like, we become divided. But the devil is a liar. See, that's why we cannot allow little things to divide us. But we must come together. We must be united. We must be the example. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Jesus purposely did not have a detailed description. I believe that. See, your skin color does not get you into the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your name is, what your last name is. Because Romans chapter 3, verse number 23 says this. For all, somebody say all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if everybody has sinned, then we must all, somebody say repent. That's why Acts 2.38 says repent. You must repent of these sins and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We are a group of believers that stand united, not by color, not by age, not because we all agree on political views, but because we all look to Jesus. We are surrounded by a group of delivered people. We are surrounded by a group of people that were once headed to a place called hell, but because of Jesus, we have received a new address change. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. That's what you are surrounded by. You are surrounded by people that have been delivered. You are surrounded by a group of people that have been touched by Jesus Christ. You are surrounded by people that were once headed in the wrong direction. And now Jesus came into their life. And now they're going into a different direction. It's not because of man. It's not because of anything else but Jesus. But the one that unifies us. But the one that brings us all together. It's because of, somebody say, Jesus. So how should the church respond? We should respond as the early church began. For the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 44, it says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. How does the church respond? We respond as the early church began. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Well, let me give you another example in Acts chapter 4, verse number 32. The Bible says, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. The Bible says in verse number 33, Acts chapter number 4, it says, And with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. How do we respond? We respond by being together. We respond by being unified. And we respond by not allowing our outside friends and family that don't agree and don't believe like you believe, not to influence what this church stands for, what this body of Christ stands for. Oh, I'm going to say that again just in case this side didn't hear me. Because it is our family and friends and those that we communicate with and that try to influence us to think how they think. No, we have a new mind. We, I'm going to say that again. We have a new mind. Uh-huh. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you've been filled with his spirit. See, you have a new mind. You don't have to think like everybody else thinks. 
That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. You can disagree with things, but Jesus brings us all together. That's why we respond the way we should respond. We respond how Jesus wants us to respond, and that is together. Speaking of together, let's stand together. Let's magnify the Lord just for a moment together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this. The world is going to be looking for a way of escape. There may be somebody here today that's looking for a way of escape. Well, you're in the right place. Because you are surrounded by a group of people that have escaped. Can I say it this way that we are escaping? I'm still running for my life. The old song says, I'm running for my life. If anybody asks you, what's the matter with me? Just tell them I'm saved. I'm sanctified. Well, how the rest of that song go? Holy Ghost filled and what? And fire, wire, water baptized. I've got Jesus on my mind. And I'm running. I'm running for my life. You're not going to find the answer in the world. The answer is here in the church. That's where it's at. You're not going to find the unity and the love and the peace in the world. But we ought to find it here in the church. I'm telling you somebody, if you're needing deliverance, you're in the right place at the right time. If you need healing in your body, you're in the right place at the right time. If you need peace of mind, you're in the right place at the right time. Because you're surrounded by people, a group of individuals that stood before you that was once there, but now we've been set free. And we support one another. We love one another. And we celebrate with people that decide to change their life. That's why when someone goes down in the name of Jesus Christ, because they say, Lord, I must change my ways. I need my sins washed away. We rejoice. When someone gets filled with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost, we rejoice together. And when someone is hurting, when someone needs support, we weep with them. We mourn with them. We come down to this altar and pray with them. When someone is in need of anything in your life, I'm telling you right now, I come against the spirit of hesitancy and that spirit that tries to cause people not to move by faith because the enemy's telling you what are other people going to think about me. No, not in God's house. Uh-uh, not in God's house. I, I, I'll attack that spirit straight on. I'm telling you right now, I'll attack that spirit straight on because there's no room for judgment. I'm going to say that again. There's no room for thinking you better than somebody else. I'm sorry, but if you still living, we still got some changing. You still living, you still got some changing. Amen. The church's response together. That's what we do. So church, we will remain together. We will remain unified. No matter what takes place, 
over the next few days, over the next few weeks, whatever happens, we'll remain together. Because when we come back next Sunday, I'm still going to look at my brother and smile, shake his hand, still going to love him, still going to care about him. Amen. Because we're together. And my brothers and sisters, we will set the example. We will set the example. In Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands unto the Lord.